BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to Made by Women, a new podcast by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. At a moment when businesses face some of the biggest challenges in recent history, we bring you inspiring stories, practical insights, and shared learnings to help you successfully navigate in today's environment. Every Thursday, Made by Women will showcase the experiences of legendary women entrepreneurs, fierce up-and-comers, and everyday women who found success their own way. Consider this your real-world MBA, designed for the new now. I'm Kim Azzarelli, and thanks so much for joining us today. Uncharted Powers founder and CEO Jessica O. Matthews is on a mission to bring smarter, sustainable, and reliable energy to the world. As a teen, she started thinking about energy infrastructure problems after she experienced the frequent power outages that her Nigeria-based family lived through. She saw firsthand how they adapted to unhealthy solutions, like using diesel generators to literally keep the lights on. She continued on her mission to harness energy and invented the socket during her undergrad years at Harvard. The socket is an energy-generating soccer ball that brought her media accolades and even the attention of President Barack Obama. But as inspirational and cool as the socket was, she was forced to think bigger on her mission to solve the problem of reliable energy. Now, at age 32, Jessica has built an unbelievable organization and a resume that's beyond impressive. She has two degrees from Harvard, was named a Harvard Foundation Scientist of the Year, holds at least 10 patents, and has been on the cover of Forbes magazine, not once, but twice. And she's developing a revolutionary concept to build and replace the current power grid with a sustainable and scalable energy solution. Enjoy my conversation with the amazing Jessica O. Matthews of Uncharted Power. Jessica, welcome to Made by Women, and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. 
So you run an unbelievable organization called Uncharted Power, which I know started at least the, the beginnings of it back when you were at Harvard. Could you tell us a little bit about what Uncharted Power is and really why you've done everything that you've done? I've been in this now for more than a third of my life, right? Uh, the first kind of inklings and ideas around this company started when I was 19 and I'm, I'm 32 now. And so to a certain extent, just being a millennial that stuck with the same thing for this long, I think feels <laughs> a little bit like a, like a superpower. Um, so for me, uh, you know, in the company, which was at one time called Uncharted Play, now called Uncharted Power for the last almost three, almost four years now, the, the mission has always been the same. The, the goal really has been to bring sustainable power grid infrastructure to under-resourced communities. As a dual citizen of Nigeria and the United States, I had this very interesting duality of experience as well. Um, I was born in upstate New York, but my father lives in Nigeria. Most of my family lives in Nigeria. And I would then, of course, be traveling to Nigeria annually to spend time with family. And in doing this, I, I saw firsthand the very dire situation re like related to access to power, uh, access just to reliable power, let alone renewable or sustainable power. And it was something that was, uh, you know, very, I think, bothersome, primarily because it, it wasn't like it was just a socioeconomic issue. If anything, it was truly an infrastructural issue masquerading as a socioeconomic issue because people are paying more per kilowatt hour in places like Nigeria than they are in the United States. Um, however, they just don't have a system to pay into. So they're paying for diesel generators, they're paying for kerosene lamps, et cetera. Um, and so that's what, you know, initially really got me into it, seeing that my own family, my, uh, my, my cousins who are engineers, you know, that their best kind of situation of thinking about how to address a broken power system that, not only was horrible for the environment, but put their own health at risk, that they could not even fathom a better solution, that there could be a, a better way to, to fix this. And then I think what ended up happening, though, over time is that I realized that America wasn't necessarily built on the strongest foundation for power infrastructure either. But, you know, ultimately, while every community is very different around the world, if you're an under-resourced community in the United States or in Sub-Saharan Africa, um, and specifically in, in Nigeria, you're facing a lot of the same issues when it comes to reliable grid infrastructure. The funny thing I think was that I always knew my why, but really figuring out the 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 problem, right, to address and like the very like specific point that needed to be shifted. That's what really evolved over time. So right. first and foremost, I thought it was an issue of inspiration. So I assumed that there were smarter, better people uh, who could create the infrastructure solutions that were supposed to be created. I even thought about my own cousins who, you know, again, are, are engineers and thinking, why do they not believe in, in their own ability to create a, a better solution? I'm going to take you back to your college years. So you're 19. You start to recognize that there's some um, inequity going on here. And there's some challenge, some systemic issues happening that you're wondering why people aren't addressing them. So you're at Harvard. How do you get the idea and, and where do you get started? At the age of 17, before actually I went to Harvard, there were two things that happened. One, uh, I was in Nigeria for my aunt's wedding and we lost power. That was expected. 
We brought in the diesel generator. It was horrible. The fumes were horrible. I started to complain. And that's when I actually heard my cousin say, don't worry, you'll get used to it. And it became very clear that we had two issues. One was, yes, this infrastructural issue, but probably what hurt me more was the reality that there was also a psychological issue, that people felt like the status quo was always going to be the status quo, and that this system could not change. Um, And that just didn't feel right for me. Now, I didn't do anything in the moment. I went back to the U.S. after, you know, um, that trip. And over the course of a year, I lost three members of my family. My uh, aunt, who would have been younger than I am now, my uncle, and my grandfather, all from things that um, either could have been delayed, if not totally avoided, if people actually had reliable infrastructure, you know, because people don't think about what happens if you go to the hospital and you lose power, you know. And so now that's what pushed me at least to start with something because seeing the kind of sadness that my family was facing, I felt immediately like, well, okay, I don't think I can cure death. That doesn't seem to be the thing. But what saddened me the most was this idea that members of my family had died with this concept that they had no agency, that systems cannot change, that the default will always be the status quo. Uh, And I wanted to invent something that would inspire people, show people that there could be another way, that would bring people from a place that they're comfortable to a place where they would be needed. Uh, and and that's, that's what got me first into this space. And I, I think the irony of it, perhaps, was that the socket ended up being most impactful um, and most kind of inspirational, I think, to me, uh, because I never thought that I could make any real difference in, the, in this world or in this space right, of infrastructure. And so by starting with the play product, it felt like an easier, more tangible, accessible thing for me to to do. And it launched my career to get me to the point now where we're building really exciting power grid infrastructure. Essentially, it's where what we built is um, an organization that's putting out technology like we're the the Google for power infrastructure. And so it's... I think the the thing people have to realize sometimes is not everything I think about life and about doing anything that's particularly hard is about understanding the exact thing to do in that moment. I think the big win was that I was willing to try something. Mm-hmm. I think the big win was that I was willing to look. And I started with the thing that was most, you know, very apparently in front of me. Okay, my own family and people who I think are able to do something don't believe that anything can change. So how do you start to spark that? How do you create a psychological innovation? And it ended up working on me as well, right? I started to drink my own Kool-Aid. And as you start to move forward and you're like, okay, oh, I, you know, I made an energy generating soccer ball. Wonderful. Let's talk about the socket because a lot of people know about the socket, but I just want to make sure everybody listening understands what a revolutionary concept that was. You know what it is, though? It's funny, Kim. I actually don't think it was a revolutionary product. <laughs> um, I think it was the start. I think what I'm building now is a revolutionary product. Oh, I'm like, sure. <laughs> you know, because when you think about it, right, it was a magical product, right? It had a beautiful story. But it, a, a one million soccer balls will not solve any problem, and it will not give my family in Nigeria the power that they need. Right. It was simply a first step to explore the concept of energy being delivered in a different way okay, fine, great. There's an energy generating soccer ball and then made an energy generating jump rope. That's, that's great. Again, trust me. I know people are just like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. But the the funny thing is 
we started to get that out there. We started to do more work. But the most important thing is that I had the self-awareness to say, well, but this is not solving the problem. Right. And so then we shifted as a company and said, well, maybe we need to do more than just play. If my goal is to inspire the world to build a better system so my family can survive. Maybe it's about now saying, look, it's not just in play products. It's a less sexy story to talk about infrastructure. But if that's what's needed and if no one else is going to do it, let's shift. And so I started then to work as a Black girl in Harlem to build a team of of world-renowned scientists and technologists to try to translate our IP to infrastructure. And we actually built a really awesome energy generating speed bump, which was the first step to energy generating roads. Um, And we're getting ready to bring that to sub-Saharan Africa and actually deploy that in Nigeria and Rwanda. Um, And it was actually at that moment in 2017 that brought us to where we are now that really excites me because it was at that moment when literally we created something that when you drive over it, you'd have a kilowatt of power, right? So again, same concept. Um, it's the, the concept of, Hey, generating energy from motion, generating energy from things that we already do, whether it's playing a soccer, playing with soccer ball or jumping rope or, uh, driving, but then what's the issue, right? So we're, we're creating infrastructural level solution. And I've already gone farther in this than I ever thought I ever would. (laughs) And we find out that the problem is actually not on the generation side, whether it's kinetic energy, which is where I started whether it's solar, whether it's biofuels, anything like that. There's a lot of cool things, wind, that people are doing for generation that's renewable, more sustainable, smaller, more distributed and spread out. The problem is that it's all feeding into the same archaic system, and that's the power grid. The way we have our power cables above head and the way we think about building these power networks has not been updated in the last 100 years. And so I realized after, at that time, seven years, right, of like, of just pushing this forward just for in the company, um, you know, for that, no matter how cool of a car, let's say, no matter how sustainable of a car I created, if the road it was supposed to drive on either did not exist, like in sub-Saharan Africa in any real way, or had not been updated in the last 100, 150 years, like in the United States, how far do I possibly really think this car could go? Right. And that aha moment was the, it wasn't expected. It wasn't planned, but because I always had my true North of the mission, which was to solve this problem. Right. And kept on getting closer and closer and closer. That's when we realized that the issue actually wasn't generation. The issue was something that very few people understand. Very few people think about but it's critical to actually building sustainable power infrastructure. And that's the way that we transmit and distribute this energy from different places. And so we ended up in 2018 focusing specifically on power grid infrastructure and how to rebuild the power grid in a way that would actually be sustainable and that would actually be scalable. So I could go back to my my family in Nigeria and say, here's the infrastructure that's going to give you what you need. The most exciting thing about the socket is that it, it, it is a very effective inspirational tool. Um, and, and sometimes we need to create things that pull from these exciting worlds and frame them in a way that people can really adopt them, right? And, and, and explore with them. Um, but, you know, where we are now with the uncharted system that we've made, um, you know, it's, 
It's literally just like a paver solution that you put in the ground. But with this paver solution, you're able to make it easier for under-resourced communities to build power grid infrastructure, to manage power grid infrastructure, and to finance it so that I'm not going to a poor community, you know, anywhere, honestly, in in the COVID world, a lot of communities do not have any money Um, or a community, you know, in sub-Saharan Africa who doesn't want to take on more debt, you know, from the, you know, the World Bank. I'm able to go to them and say, let us build a renewable microgrid for you, a full power grid solution for you. And we're not actually going to ask you for any money. We're going to actually help you sustain this. You know, you had mentioned that that first product, which, you know, you was, like you said, an inspirational product to you, was important at the time because it opened your eyes and, frankly, the world's eyes to what is possible. And I think that question of possibility. But then, but then you were saying that, you know, sometimes, you know, you're going down a path and you kind of have to pivot, right? Or you see that there's a better solution. Is it your mission that always keeps you looking for new ideas and keeps you open to what's possible? I think that... It's my personal connection to the results that kept me focused on what would actually be meaningful versus something that would be fun. I had quite a few offers to just focus on making a million soccer balls, but if that, <laughs> if I know that that's not going to solve the problem, what's the point? And I think this is where I feel very lucky that I can lean into my connection, right? To the, these communities. Um, like even right now, a lot of people ask, like, how has your company not just survive, but thrive in this year uh, that with all these crazy things that are happening. And it's like, well, okay, I am black. And you're telling me that this is a disease that affects black people and brown people disproportionately. I am a woman. And you're telling me that most essential workers are women and who are also disproportionately affected by this. Um, I live in an under-resourced community in the United States and my family lives in under-resourced communities in Sub-Saharan Africa, where I know now that this power infrastructure issue, which has always been important, um, it's now becoming important and urgent because it it's the it's it's the reason why we have the digital divide as well. If you do not have this reliable power infrastructure, you're not going to have the connectivity infrastructure that would need to live on top of that. So people can do simple things like go to school online. So for me, when that is my day to day, no matter what, I cannot forget it. I right. can't imagine a world where it's not, it's not so much like even just looking for new ideas. It's finding the answer because it's a life or death situation. And it always has been right. Um, the biggest issue perhaps of anything was I did not have the confidence in myself to believe that I could solve the big problem we're solving now because I saw no one that looked like me doing this. And because the world also quite frankly can barely handle can barely handle the truth of disruption being necessary, let alone it coming from a vessel that looks very much not like the status quo CEO from Silicon right. Valley, right? Right. And so you have this juxtaposition that people are people are trying to, you know, it's almost like they're expecting me to do a dance or have a talk show, but they struggle with um with the reality solving the energy problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that there were a lot of people who were so excited about the concept of an invention, but never expected me to stick with it. And have the confidence to say, oh, yes, no, we've built an amazing team of people. We have the best technology. We're going to change the game. And yes, there were a bunch of people who tried before. And yes, we were better. And yes, we did it. It took so much time to get to that point, especially as a woman. I'm sure, you know, as where where everything has to be 
so kind of uh, like precisely designed because we'll never overstate, right? Right. I, I went through so many um, delayed moments, I think, with the team, all of us, like, honestly, each time we'd had a, uh, like a, a breakthrough, we would pause and then do like a quick survey of the entire world and what people are creating from Singapore to Boston, because we were unsure, right? We're like, oh, there's no way this could actually be as good as it is. Right. Um, and I, I think this year, especially with some of the people we've now brought on who, who are very close in the space, have been working in the space for my lifetime who are saying, no, this is, wow, this is it. This makes sense. Let's do this. How, how can I grow with you? I think it's been a huge validation point. But in terms of a lesson, I think that on one hand, there's a competitive advantage to being humble because you push yourself to be the, to be the best. And I think the world gets something that's better. On the other hand, it does slow down necessary innovation. If only one type of person believes that they can do anything under the sun and the rest of us are kind of, you know, finding our lane. And I, I think we're seeing that in this world right now, like Silicon Valley has essentially failed us because they were supposed to be this innovation platform where any you know problem the world has, something will come out of it. Um, but look, here we are right now and what has been proposed. Mm-hmm. And so now what, what does that mean, right? In terms of how we've been deciding who's a visionary and who isn't, who should get funding and who shouldn't, Right. Like, and at the end of the day, I think it's why the, the future really should be about focusing resources and development and building the confidence of diverse founders, not just for diversity's sake, but because these are the people who represent the communities who are feeling the pain the most and are most incentivized then to find a true sustainable solution, no matter what. So much of what you said is resonating because we know that, you know, men, I would say, typically tend to raise their hand pretty early with the solution and get rewarded for that, right? They get rewarded for, you know, put me in the game. And, you know, women want to come with like an actual solution often and spend a lot of time thinking about what is the solution. And we reward the men for doing that. And then we say, well, you know, the, the women lack confidence. And and actually what we were, we've been thinking about a lot is about the myths that are holding women back. And one of those myths is that that's the right standard, right? Maybe those guys are just reckless, right? Instead of calling them confident, maybe they're just reckless. And actually what you're doing, Jessica, is like, you actually have a solution. You know, you've worked on it, you've tested yeah. it, it works, you know? Let's face it. I think every female-led country in the world right now is handling this pandemic much better. Exactly. And no one wants to talk about it. And it's like, well, because we're not. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's just, it's not even about forcing gender norms. Like, that's just a fact. Just fact. I think because, like, when, you, when you're solving really hard problems that affect different people in different ways, the society has bred us in a way, I think, to just be better suited, right? Like, I love my dad is an innovator and, and done so many amazing things. But when like when we're in a real problem, we're not calling my dad. We're calling <laughs> my dad. like you call my mom because like let's just be honest here. Like there's just a dynamic in a way, right? That I think serious problems I think are 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 addressed. And you know, for for us, we actually have a very balanced team of men, women, um, you know, also people who do not subscribe to that as well, you know, which I think is important when you think about the world that we're building. But at the end of the day, the reason why we have a diverse team and as a team representing all cultures and races and ethnicities and, and sexual orientations versus just a team of people who even just look like me, it's because we're, it's like, how else do you build an actual global solution? Right. For us, the key thing was always 
recognizing the differences of different people, different communities, different cultures, but then trying to find that kind of common line that brings us all together. And then working on that common problem that needs to be addressed to get the, the biggest bang for, for our buck. And so, you know, the, we're, the Uncharted system particularly, it's something that we're really proud of because while there's a lot of technology that goes into it, there are still some a through line from the socket, right? So mm-hmm. the, the socket was a, a soccer ball that had a mechanism inside of it that when the ball was being played with, it would generate energy. Now, what I'm currently talking about does not generate energy. It's energy agnostic. You can put solar through it. You can put anything. It's all about how you think about the power grid, those power cables. But from our experiences in trying to create something that had energy technology inside of it, we were able to say, okay, how would you sustainably put innovative energy technology in the ground? And so we took that experience, which is nice. So over like the 13 years and said, well, here's how. We have this paver system you put in the ground that makes it easier to build power grids actually in the ground versus just having them above head, right? In a affordable way. You have a smart way of managing this system so that you don't just have people wandering around, like, you know, waiting to find out when there's an issue. You, you have a smart system with visualization um, and accessibility to make it upgradable. But the, the most exciting feature of what we built, like with this kind of ground solution, is realizing that we can use co-location and data to finance it. And so when we say that we're like an ethical Google for power grid infrastructure, if you think about Google, they've given us so much amazing digital infrastructure that has unlocked the digital world. From Google Chrome to Google Search, Gmail, Google Hangouts, all of these things we're especially leaning into now during the pandemic. But you know, how do they pay for it? How do they finance this infrastructure? Essentially, they monetize ad space on their platform and data. And so what we realize is like, well, why can't we do that for power infrastructure? So when we build this platform in the ground, why don't we go ahead and help communities monetize co-location space? So that's like where the 5G antennas will go, where all the different things that, you know, the different telco companies and IoT companies, where they want to put them, will help cities monetize co-location space on this platform and sell their data to finance this. Incredible. And so what we're finding now is that projects that would have otherwise been unfinanceable, right? So all communities that just would not have had power, we can deliver payback periods of five years and we can finance this. And that's the, the, it's exciting in and of itself, but I, I hope that it is inspirational in that I do not have a degree in engineering. I started with an energy generating soccer ball when I was 19. I'm 32 now and I stuck with it. The next year will be huge because we're finally building our, you know, our first big smart city with this technology. But over the next five years, I am really, really excited to do what everyone else thought was impossible and to, and to do it and to do it being, um, really honestly, unapologetically black, female, and me throughout all of it. So that's, that's what's been the honor of this last decade. The name of your company, it makes so much sense. I mean, you're, you're charting new ground in so many different ways, whether solving a hundred year old problem of energy (laughs) systems, whether, you know, honestly solving the issue of, 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 of being a black woman, uh, you know, succeeding, 
um, after I'm sure a huge amount of effort. I mean, you also raised a Series A round, right? I mean, that's that's a pretty amazing feat. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, the you know the Series A was again the same issue of just having to do so much more uh, than I think our peers. Like we we raised at that time in 2016 what we believe to be the the largest Series A that a black woman has ever raised in history, you know, just based on what's been reported. But that, that amount, it was 7 million was the average amount raised by anyone um, that year. Right. And so it, it becomes funny. It's like, okay, I had to go to Harvard twice, be on the cover of Forbes twice, be Harvard scientist of the year, be Forbes 30 <laughs> under 30, things 40 under 40, Inc. 30 under 30, Fortune's most promising woman to raise the average amount of the guy who dropped out of community college and had an idea. So <laughs> what does that tell you oh about gosh. the world? And and again, the ideas that die before they're even born, because they're not coming from the status quo, because yep. they're not coming from what we expect. And, and I think, again, that's part of why we really, as a society, a global society, we need to reflect on 2020. The people we've been empowering did not solve the problem when we needed them. They, they gave us the app to help us tailor our pants. Okay, but when we needed them to, to live, they did not help us. So moving forward, who are we going to cultivate? Who are we going to support? Who are we going to develop and build so that the next time the world needs solutions, there are people ready with them who get it and can push in that way. What you're doing and, and the way you're working and the way you're thinking um is so transformative and people need to hear what you're saying. And I think particularly for, I was going to say for young women, but I think for all women, your story is something that is, I think, so freeing because you've acknowledged so many things that you faced. I mean, that, that sort of lack of confidence that is endemic to the society. What advice could you give? And I'm sure lots of people ask you for advice. What advice could you give young women coming up who are thinking that they have an idea but um, they're not so sure that their idea is going to work. So one, I think it's really important to make sure you're very clear on your why versus your what. Um, because it's, it's, it's one thing to say, okay, well, this is what I think you should, I should do now. It's another thing to know why you're doing it. Um, entrepreneurship has a lot of ups and downs. And at the end of the day, you can't, you know, be sure of your success, but you can do a lot to make sure that you know who you are at the end of the day and that you like the person that you're looking at in the mirror. And so throughout all of this, I always took the time to make sure that I believed in what I was doing, that I believed in the way I was doing and who I am throughout this process. And that I understood my, my, my main goal, because there are so many different things that can be distracting and exciting. Um, and so you, you have to be clear on that why. And it can be hard, uh, but you have to be clear. And then I think th the big idea is also to be open. Um, a lot of times we feel like we can't even get started till we, uh, we can't even get started until we, we know exactly how things are going to end. I think that oftentimes we feel like we have to know the end of the story before we even start the book. And that's just not a very interesting book to read then, is it? And so we, we need to be willing to know our why, right? Why are we even opening up this book? And we need to be ready to go on the ride. Um, and I think just having that openness and creating that space for ourselves, it's critical to get to the solutions that we actually need in this world. I love talking to you, Jessica. Honestly, I could talk to you all day. Thanks so much for joining us, Jessica. We look forward to watching everything you're doing.
Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank Jessica O'Matthews for an inspiring conversation and for sharing the passion that keeps her pushing uncharted power to find a solution. Here's a few takeaways that I got from the conversation. First, it's important to keep your why at the center of your business versus just the what. Jessica made the tough choice as an entrepreneur to pivot her company in order to reach her mission. She could have kept creating energy-generating play products like the Socket Soccer Ball, but she refocused when she realized her why needed a different solution. Second, even the most ambitious and accomplished founders need to find their confidence and run their company in a way that is unapologetically true to themselves. Jessica's talent, drive, and diversity have the potential to shift the perception of what an energy industry CEO looks like, and that's good for everyone. Lastly, think big and keep pushing forward. Jessica's on a mission to change the energy grid and a system that hasn't been updated for the last hundred years. Now, this is no small feat, and she probably runs into obstacles every day, but true innovation requires big ideas, risk, and sheer perseverance. We at Seneca Women are very excited to continue to follow Jessica's work and the incredible solutions of Uncharted Power. See you next week. Made by Women is brought to you by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit MortonBuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today.